1: There's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting.
2: It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do hey. I start it? Brittany My name. My, is. My Does my hair
0: look okay? It's fantastic.
1: My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. podcaster yeah you would think that our guest today cody <laughs> runs his own podcast has his own podcast understands equipment and understands audio and whatnot
2: he's got a dang podcast cubicle
1: yeah, he's got a podcast cubicle he's got a fancy like rig that comes out in front of him you can you know massive microphone taking him like 10 minutes to figure out how to listen to us
3: listen the uh, I, I, uh... I don't make any bones about the fact that uh, I'm thoroughly mediocre. It's it's right there in the name of Solid 7. You get exactly what is promised. A solid 7 out of 10? Exactly, every time.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Cody, uh, your insect bite, 7 out of 10 in terms of it being a disease that you brought back from Africa? What does the, the doctor in the house say? Uh,
2: the doctor in the house... Um... <laughs> This a lovely, <laughs> lovely woman. Um You're still in the room, so hey, be careful. Yeah, exactly. No, I think the, I think the bite is getting better. I do have another one that I've now discovered. Nice. So I have two I have a bite on my right thigh and behind my left knee. I'm not so sure that they're not just like some average bug bite that I've picked at too much. Um, but you know, you'd rather just not have an unknown couple of bug bites when you came back from Africa. It's not like we were in the wilds of of tins it doesn't matter
1: there's a there's a bunch of nice good diseases that come from africa tick bite fever is one of the good ones and i suggested you may have that the other day
2: yeah now yeah that worked wonderfully for my wife to hear that (laughs) she already has this intense (laughs) phobia of ticks but i i do feel a lot better like a million times better still have this little frog in my throat and then I have this annoying I think you called it a tickle cough where I just go every every 30 seconds like someone poked me in the belly or something I can't keep from doing it um but man do I feel better I think it's just a coincidence I think I had a bug you know some kind of a virus flu or something and then I also got two pretty nasty bug bites at the same time I don't think they're correlated.
1: COVID and tick bite fever at once, and you still
2: didn't go see a doctor. And I kicked its ass, and I'm you getting know, better. So bring it on. It, you,
3: it used to be that all the best diseases came from Africa. And now these last two years, they've been unseated. So
1: Now yeah, yeah, we're going to figure something out. Got to figure something out. The dark continent is no longer the dark continent.
3: Though I, I listened to you guys on a quasi-recent episode, and I heard you float the idea of pivoting to Not just telling the truth about hunting, but maybe actually trying to convince some people to take up hunting. And I don't know that this conversation is going to do it. I don't know that leading with the uh, phantom bug bites (laughs) is the sales pitch you might think it is for hunting.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cody's got a pretty rabid following. And he can, you know, I actually, um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to inflate Cody's ego for a second here. Um, I was on a podcast earlier today with quite a big podcast. It's going to come out here in the next two weeks or so. And like the third question leveled at me was like, who's that guy that's on the podcast? Who's your partner on the podcast? I was like, oh, here we go. I have to talk about Cody. I have to tell him all about Cody and how he's, you know, he's a good contrast to who I am. He doesn't have the, quite the science acumen that I have. and uh, But we tolerate him on the podcast, that kind of stuff.
3: So, Well, I'm, I was listening ahead trying to, uh, A, I've just, you know, since you came on, Solid seven, I've just been consuming co- your content nonstop now. and uh, But I'm listening, trying to prep for this, thinking, good lord, I probably need to try to bring something to this party. And uh, normally, curmudgeon is kind of my shtick, and uh, Cody's already occupied that space in your podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go for like comic relief tonight. He'll be
1: less curmudgeonly tonight than he was last week. We can so. have an
2: assistant curmudgeon too, that's fine.
3: Now, which one's the assistant? I don't know no, if I'm willing to accept this arrangement.
2: We'll decide at the end. Whoever whoever owned it the most gets the head title, and then when the other one's the assistant.
3: That's fair. I, no. I accept these terms.
1: Right. Well, Kale Matthews, welcome to the roundup of the Blood Origins podcast.
3: Thanks, man. I'm I'm honored to be here. I have almost. Nothing to to offer, so it'll be much like an episode of my own podcast. So this should be fun for all.
1: You are the host, of the Solid Seven Podcast. For those that have not heard about it, go check them out. Um, your own blood origins, uh, individual Robbie Kroger, Cody. You did not crack a nod to the Solid Seven Podcast because they don't accept nines; they accept sevens. Wow! So, hey, I'm trying to wow. I'm trying to help you out here, buddy. Here goes with an effeminate cough. Yep, cough it out. Unmute yourself. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh uh but yeah, Cale, um I, I wanted you to have I, I, as soon as I finished the podcast with you, I said, Man, we need to have you on the roundup because I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation I had with you and you were very thoughtful in in your your posing of questions and, and how you thought about things and those are the kinds of guys we'd like to have on the podcast. So
3: here you are. I appreciate yeah, I appreciate it and I'm I'm honored to be here and uh, you know it's kinda it's kinda what we go for, like my, my tag for the podcast right, is that uh, it's not a show about nothing, but it's also not a show about any one thing, right? It's just, um, you know, normally I, I, you know, hat tip Seinfeld there for not a show about nothing, but uh, we're just inquisitive. Like, I have friends on, I have guests on, and we, we talk about what's going on in the world, or we talk about uh, the expertise that's going on, and more often than not, it's a, a fairly interesting conversation, and uh, we have some laughs, and we learn some things, and that was certainly true of the episode when you were on. And I've got to say, when we got when we got done recording, you you said like I can't believe we just talked for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was typical, like post podcast kindness. I like, you just say nice things to the host. I did bribe you with some Jocko Go, and uh, but then as I'm listening back through y'all's podcasts, I'm like, man, I, I maybe like it was a major achievement that I got you past an hour. <laughs> so you I, just we made did it first. frickin' Cody's night. Yeah. We did it first on the Solid Seven podcast. Just remember that, Cody.
2: Yeah, we've done it a couple of times, but it's like uh, it's like pulling teeth with him.
1: <laughs> Cody, are you well enough to have an agave next to you, or are you still?
2: Um, you know, it's honestly just a forgetful. I am probably well enough, but I didn't. I didn't have one. Speaking of my agave, though, one of our texts this week is from Dave. Who Dave? Uh, Does he
1: work for Peach Street Distilleries?
2: Dave is now getting inundated, and he's not sure why. He's not sure if it's his love of bourbon or his love of blood origins. But he's sending send me a couple of screenshots of Peach Street Distillery ads on his Facebook page. <laughs> so this is my theory, and my theory is completely unburdened by data. I have no. This is probably not true. I'm convinced now that you just, you literally
1: just said what I'm about to say is absolute nonsense. So
2: peach, peach Street distilleries up. is pumping out ads on Facebook to people that follow blood origins. I think mm. no, maybe, maybe, little, maybe
1: all uh, Facebook was just listening to him. Talk about peach. Street. I,
2: and... uh, conspiracy going on here. Maybe. Yeah, but
1: they won't talk to us.
2: Maybe not. We got a lot of texts. You want to do texts now? yeah yeah let's do some text messages, Dave from Wisconsin, in reference to the uh, Wolf management plan, it's not surprising that the Wisconsin DNr doesn't have any timeline for the wolf management plan. Our hunting regulations were late being published this year, and physical copies were not available for most areas for archery and the small game opener. a mm-hmm. uh, little bit of a different perspective there. I've done a lot of um I think I've done a lot of defending of the Wisconsin DNR, because I think some massive political pressure was put on them when they sure, kind of, sure. uh, but, you know, I don't know, maybe they are a cluster bomb and they don't do things well. I I don't want to assume that, but uh, Dave says that they, uh, maybe. Uh, Dave
1: essentially said that they're a cluster bomb without saying they're yeah, a cluster bomb. Yeah,
2: cluster bomb's a thing I made up because the other word I was going to say seems I like aggressive it. right now.
1: Yeah, I like it. <laughs> And this is a PG podcast, and you have been refraining from swearing for quite a couple of podcasts. I've been
2: working on it. I've been trying to do good. Um, now, Dave also sent a really cool pic from a tree stand, which is – I I love the pics. Obviously, it's a podcast. We can't share the pics, but keep the pics coming, guys. If you're going to text us, that number is 620-860-4804. Tell us really any damn thing you want to. We don't care.
3: It's a it's a bold move just putting out a blanket request for pictures from the the internet and the podcast world man you're going to get some interesting I mean you'll get some tree stand pics but that's probably not all. It's a good thing Cody has the text message line.
2: I'll let you, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know what else we get.
3: Tim So this no, go ahead. what quick cuz I like I'm the I'm the hunting I, layman's not even the right term, right? Right. Um but uh so like but I, boy, do I like to comment on government. And so, was this Dave was from Wisconsin, are they like new to wolf management? Is there mm. some good reason that they should <laughs> suck at this? Wow.
1: wow, there you go. Where do you want to? Where do you want to take that one, Cody? The, the, That's why we have kale on.
2: Here's here's the facts, kale, and then we can get into assessment of things from there. The Wisconsin had a for, so the wolf was uh, classified right. The wolf was a protected species; couldn't be hunted. While it was protected, Wisconsin passed a law that if, when they became, when they came off the endangered species list, there had to be a hunting season. Okay, it was like we're not going to get them unendangered and then not hunt them. So right. they came off, I believe, somewhere in it in a December time frame. I think they were delisted by the by the uh, federal government. And a whole bunch of hunter groups pressured, this This part's my opinion, a whole bunch of hunter groups, or a few hunter groups, pressured Wisconsin to have a season immediately. And they did it with some serious political pressure, so they did it. They then set a quota, and there was at a minimum a disorganized mess that, there's a whole argument about this too, and Robbie and I are kind of on different sides, but not really about this, that... They went over the quota. Quite a few more wolves were killed by the non-tribal public in Wisconsin than was dictated they could kill, and um, it it, it was it was. There's no reason on a thing like that to hurry, in my opinion. There's also no reason to delay with bureaucracy for years. But I I don't. I, I think they were pressured. They moved too fast, and so now. We're at this period where Wisconsin keeps saying they haven't figured out the wolf hunting again yet, and so a lot of people are bitching. A lot of people are up in arms that they haven't released the details on the wolf season. I still am of the opinion that if they need to take some time to figure it out, that's what they should do. Obviously, you got to draw a line in the sand. And uh, Dave from Wisconsin, you know, was sending us a text letting us know that maybe this isn't the first thing Wisconsin's. Falling on their ass trying to accomplish.
3: Well, I mean, I, I was born in Illinois, so there's no loveless lost for Wisconsin here, right? Like, uh, you know, bears, Packers, you know, whatever, screw them. Uh, but uh, so I'm remembering this from another podcast now, and I don't know whose side I fall on here, but who gives a crap who kills, like if the quote is the point, who gives a crap who kills the wolves? Why, why, does, why do the tribes need a separate allotment? Like, let's. Is it not? Is it not? Let's do what's good for management of the population and let's roll with it. Like, Kale, I'll, you Kale know, just arrived. check your bank account later, okay?
2: <laughs> Kale is right. No, I, I can agree with the logic that you've just stated. But the fact of the matter is, there was a quota given to the non tribal hunters and a quota given to the tribe. Right. The tribe chose not to have a hunt. So the non-hunting public went way the heck over their quota, like almost doubled it. Mm-hmm. But they only went like seven or eight animals over the total quota for the state with what the tribe could have taken.
1: Um, yeah. It's a t- Cody, can they even have a wolf season right now? They can't. It's endangered in Wisconsin. The federal judge in California ruled – wolves to be back on the endangered species list except for wyoming montana and idaho
3: well well federal judges federal judges in california are definitely who i want making decisions about wolf populations in wisconsin that's what happens for
2: for 15 years they've been making them on a regular basis and and go figure they always make the same decision. Always, no matter what the known and agreed upon population of wolves is in any given area, they always make the same decision
1: anyway, so that's the that's the wolf scenario, kale.
3: All right. Get your crap together, Wisconsin.
2: Here you go, Right right from Kale at the Solid Seven podcast. <laughs> Send the hate there Tim Tim from Saskatchewan sent us a great roundup he wants to touch on the cheetah reintroduction he talks about the reintroduction of the black-footed ferret to Saskatchewan mm. which went very well and they were having litters and a few years later a plague swept through the black-tailed prairie dog colonies in the area which led to a decimation of the main prey base the main prey base for the black-footed ferret Um, and he says, I believe they are all gone now. Here is my dog (laughs) piling on top of me. Um, so (laughs) I, I think Tim's point goes very much to what we kind of agreed upon with Julie that, you know, at one point, even everyone thought it was cool. We'll have some black footed ferrets back, or we'll have some cheetahs back in India. As long as all the repercussions are thought through, all the repercussions can't be thought through. That's a silly story. Right. But as right. as long as there's a sufficient amount of time spent going through that, um, and what 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 are going to be the consequences of those actions? Um, you know, you never know. We'll see about the cheetahs. Thoughts? Any other text messages? I got a bunch. You want me to keep going? We got, we got, yeah, keep rolling. Well,
3: well I, I had, I mean, I should have looked up the date on this thing. I had, this goes back to your, your comment on the, the Facebook ads, cause the devices are always listening all the time. But so I had listened to you guys talk about the, the cheetah reintroduction recently. I don't know, last few days. And then sure enough, on my phone today, I'm seeing this cheetah wreak havoc in like this Indian village on just some random, nah, wouldn't pop, have you been, know, scroll through pop up video. That's not recent. That's not related. No, nah, it wouldn't be India. And it wouldn't have been,
1: if it was a cheetah, it wasn't India. And if it was, if it was India, it was probably a leopard.
3: Uh, Okay. Yeah. It might've been a leopard. I I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a dog person. (laughs) All these cats are the same. Look,
1: here's the difference. Leopards have rosettes. Cheetahs have spots. Major difference right away.
2: Yeah. And that's how everyone (laughs) remembers it is everyone remembers the words rosettes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm pretty sure if they're trying to eat your face, it's the same exact animal. <laughs> Cheetah wouldn't eat your face. Leopard, Cheetah would be leopard you.
2: will in fact
1: eat your face. Correct. 1000%. Go for the jugular. Back legs would come up, disembowel you. So, they teach they used to teach here's a fun fact. They used to teach the game rangers, the game wardens in South Africa back in the day that if you get attacked by a leopard You throw up your fists up against your neck and you put your elbows together close to your chest so that the leopard can't bite into your jugular. And if he does raise his back claws, back legs up to rake you, he's going to rake your forearms rather than your tummy. Fun fact.
2: Write that on a post it note and keep it in your wallet, (laughs) Kill. Noted. Hey, here's one that's kind of touchy that I was. uh, Let's hit. Chris from Utah. First of all, congratulations, Chris! Uh, got a uh, elk opening day of archery at twenty yards. Amazing! A- nice job, Chris. Sent a picture. Beautiful animal. Freezer full of meat. Um, but he said he was listening to when we were discussing wanton waste. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing that I will follow up and get confirmation on. Chris is. Um, Chris says, I have to disagree when it comes to Utah predator hunts, specifically the bear hunt for Utah, right in the proclamation book, it flat out says you can lead the carcass in the field if you want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, uh.
1: So for that specific species in the state of Utah, you do not have to take the meat off the, off the mountain.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's, uh.
1: Okay, what do you think about that? What do you think about that from a perception perspective to non-hunters?
3: Oh, well, it's, I mean, it's obviously a bad look. Like, if if you're not taking the meat... The question is, uh, then, why are you killing the animal? Now, there is, right, like, our, you know, our scavengers, the buzzards, they're part of the ecosystem, too. Mm -hmm. Is the meat going to waste if they leave it there? Does the... Does the population need the animal removed? Is it? Yeah, there's a few sides there. It's not a good look. Gut gut feeling, not a good look. I think I could make a case for it being okay if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Yeah, I
1: think from an ecosystem perspective, all animals die, right? So that animal's going to return to the dirt the way that any other animal would return to the dirt when it dies. So I think it's just a human construct of waste in terms of taking the resource and what do you do with the resource if you've given this if you've been given the stewardship of of looking after the resource what are you doing in that specific example good thing to look up chris thanks
2: yeah and it's uh you know again it doesn't take away the need for predator management and animal management but it seems to me like uh putting it in writing that that's it. like that seems like an automatic no. Like we can have a whole nother discussion about whether or not you should make a law about what you have to use, but putting it in writing that you don't seems like seems like a bad idea to me. I think I think I agree with Kale on that.
3: So I, I'm just a blanket caveat that all of my my questions are non-hunter questions. Like I'm not a hunter, but I am a thinker, right? So when you're not you know, deep into the hunting community, the hunting news, the, it's like, I follow Cam Haynes because he's interesting, right? There's my hunting exposure. And now, now you guys, but is, is there something about bear meat in particular? Cause you know, it'll make it into the media where it's like this type of game meat has this issue. Don't eat it or overcook it. So is there something in particular about the population of bear in Utah that would make that meat more problematic and make it more reasonable to leave it out in the wild?
2: It's a meat it's a meat that uh is different um my wife did a tremendous job of preparing multiple meals with the last bear that i killed um you do have trichinosis which is a disease that i don't know if it's like all bears have it or a lot of bears have it i wouldn't know the the science on that if only we knew a a scientist but the <laughs> You do have to you do have to cook it. You know, you you don't want to serve bear medium rare, um, right. or rare because of trichinosis, and it's definitely, um, you know, it's uh, I I like it, but it's a greasy, thicker, denser kind of meat, um, that you're gonna hear people say. There's definitely people out there that will tell you they won't eat bear. Um, I can now. 100% tell you that that was in the preparation because my wife made it. And I'm, I'm a fairly, I don't like really gamey meat. Um, but uh, so it's different. Yeah, it's not like cutting the backstrap out of a deer and it tastes like just good beef, basically. Um, it's a different kind of meat and you do have trichinosis as a factor. Not hard at all to eliminate trichinosis as a concern, but you do have to pay attention to what you're doing.
1: But there's nothing specific to Utah kale that- no. Say that that's and, a
3: reason for that being on the books, yeah. and no reason for a carve out for that species, right? Like, I'm okay if there's a reason, but it just doesn't sound like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there's a reason.
2: I think the reason was probably they were trying to get more people to hunt bears to help with the situation, and people, you know, thought that they had to. People weren't hunting bear because they weren't going to eat it, which is not an all bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time, if everyone adopts that. Black bears in particular will get massively out of control on you.
4: That's it on the text, really.
1: That was the controversial text.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a.
1: Oh, I thought you had like a media text that you were like, "I'm going to hold this one till the end." That's super controversial.
2: Well, if you're gonna, now that you brought it up, I do kind of, but I can't <laughs> get the link to open. Something happened to the link, so we're moving on. We're done with text. <laughs>
1: Ah, <sighs> all good, Cody. All good. Well, Kale, the roundup is typically a time where we look at things that are happening in the world of hunting. Uh, and since you're a non-hunter, uh, really appreciate your perspective on things that are happening in the world. Um, I will say that um, we're probably one this year, uh, we haven't spoken about this yet, but um, the beginning of October next week, uh, actually, the week that this podcast will be releasing, we'll be releasing a podcast about a thing called the African Wildlife Consultative Forum, which will be happening in Mozambique. It's its 20-year anniversary, and it's a way—it's a place where all the sort of African countries get together that uh, advocate for sustainable use of wildlife to talk about things around wildlife conservation issues, um, trade issues, and this year is specifically important because. One month later is the 19th COP. The COP is the conference of parties for CITES, which is the big trade, uh, organization in the world that sort of essentially regulates the trade of, of wildlife and plants and fish and whatnots. So there's a lot of, uh, debate happening. So that is something that is certainly swirling in the, in the news waves, the CITES discussions about CITES, discussion about COP, AWCF coming down the pipeline. Uh, But we do have a couple of articles that that Cody did send you. Um, We sent you three articles, and as the guest, we'll let you decide which one you want to start with.
3: Well, uh, much like you guys, one of them popped up behind a paywall from a media organization that wasn't going to get my dollar, (laughs) Uh, so I put no time and effort into that one. So it looked like a Uh,
1: bloody good. It looked like a really interesting article, and the article is in the New York Times. And it was a guest opinion essay where the title of the guest opinion essay said, humans have a long history of making very bad decisions to save animals, quote unquote. Cody, you're probably the only one who's read this article. Is this Was this a, a, against trophy hunting?
2: Um, it was, it was. Do more, you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was more uh, across the board. Hunting was part of it. about hunting being a bad decision as a conservation tool um but it was also land development i mean it was a lot of a lot of things but a very uh like it was someone standing a thousand yards out of reality painting a picture of it you know um that all people that do this are destroying wildlife and all people that do this and it was just a it was it was a it was a doomsday article about how nothing good is happening and no one is doing the right things and uh, you know just it was right where it belonged right
4: mm-hmm.
2: on the NYT opinion page. <laughs> uh, th-
3: there's just never been an absence uh, in the human population of of people who are willing to be suckered in by nirvana, right? Who aren't, who, like, there's just always a subset of the population that you can sell on this perfect plan based on human altruism, and it just doesn't exist. So let's stop acting like the majority of the population isn't, you know, motivated by by self-interest and leverage that for good. You're never going to get – you know. This, this is just stemming off the conversation that, that Robbie and I had uh, some on, on my podcast, which is um, you're, you're never going to get the same amount of resource out of the populace. I don't care where in the world you're in for conservation as you're, as you're going to siphon off as a byproduct of hunting for conservation. It's just never going to ha- – it'd be great. It, that'd be lovely. It's just never going to happen. I get the appeal. It's just you know, like owning a unicorn that farts cupcakes would be fantastic too. I I'm I'm just not holding my breath to obtain one. That's why we
4: brought Kale on.
2: If you figure out how to get one, I would like in on that if if possible, please.
3: Oh yeah, deal. No, well the sponsorship and branding deal for uh for both organizations, Absolute, absolutely. absolutely <laughs> I, I'd even be willing, to, it might be the only one, and I would be willing to arrange uh, a hunt for that unicorn uh, with the funds going to conservation. How about that, New York Times?
2: <laughs> Poor decisions. Nice. Poor decisions for the longevity <laughs> of farting unicorns.
4: I like it a lot. All right, since
1: we can't no, talk it, about it, the New York Times article. Yeah. No, go ahead, Kel.
3: No, the 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 one that did stand stand out to me uh, is is the one uh, with the the fox hunts. I think it's specifically fox hunts mm-hmm. in England, right? Northern Ireland, and and yeah, and using the the dogs. Don't let the English
1: folks hear that you called England Northern Ireland. Northern, the Northern
2: Northern Irelanders. We it is not about England. It's about Northern Ireland. We don't need that mess.
1: And remember, Listen, the hate there's... needs to be sent to Solid Seven podcast. <laughs> And not the Blood Origins podcast.
3: Listen, there's a there's a great line from uh, um, from Ted Lasso, and actually, so my my wife and I are actually I use I was never a uh, a soccer fan, and I'm going to be very clear uh, that it is soccer football football
1: um, because you use a foot and you use a ball. It's the only sport in the world that you actually use a foot and a ball with. That's why it's called football, people.
3: Listen, we've got American players scoring goals uh in the Premier League right 100%. now we've got We've got American coaches winning games. It's soccer now, buddy. I'm sorry. It's over. <laughs> Much like the American Revolution, we've won the naming rights. Uh, but, uh, my, but my wife turned me on. it. A, a sport that could really end in a tie was just – it just never did anything for me. But my, my wife really turned me on to uh, soccer or football, depending on, on where you're coming from. But So we were Ted Lasso fans before it was a show, right, when they were just hyping Premier League on NBC Sports. And they recycled a gag from those ads for the show where his assistant coach – is explaining to him how Great Britain actually works. And there's this phenomenal line that only Ted Lasso can deliver, which is, well, how many countries are in this country? And He still didn't understand, and I still don't understand. So somewhere on the other side of the Atlantic, people are hunting foxes with dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there's people who are mad about it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. It's about it. And it's funny, the, the,
1: the whole UK system... You know, it has its challenges. Obviously it has a class system tied to hunting. Unfortunately, um, right now we released a video today or or last week when you're listening to this podcast about how the UK is, they've recently obviously had a change in government. Boris is out the environmental minister, Zach Goldsmith, that was against, uh, pretty much anything tied to hunting is out now, but they've been championing for two years. This animal abroads bill, which has language in there to remove the import of trophies into the United Kingdom, i.e., the United Kingdom being the colonial power that they are, that has destroyed all of its wildlife, pretty much massacred biodiversity, is now saying to other countries, we want to do the same thing to you, and so um, it's just a it's a conundrum to itself. And but you speak to the guys on the ground in the UK, and they're like. We don't understand like we've got, we've got, we've actually got pretty good resources and we do a lot of hunting and there's things to be said about things that yes, there's the things that need to be cleaned up. Um, but man, that they, they, it's just a tough situation in the UK.
3: Yeah, this is something you know. I, I feel like Cody and I are probably pretty kindred spirits, but this is something I took issue with from one of your recent episodes uh, that I think is genius, and and that is changing the language around trophy hunting. What what I heard floated was conservation hunting. Cody's, you're not a fan of that change, and I get it. No, I I, get, I
1: like it. I just think it's putting I, lipstick on a pig.
3: But that's but that's the game that's the game to be played now, and that's when when we refuse to play, it's like you're you're in a street brawl getting the crap beat out of you, and the whole time you know you're getting punched in the liver. You're going, I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to fight like this. It's like no, you gotta you gotta start throwing some punches. You gotta start fighting dirty. Start biting. Start and so I, I get it, right? You know, if you if you roll around in the mud with the pig, you know you get muddy, and the pig enjoys it. So I understand that. But we're, you know, I I was going to say we and that's too broad a brush and and this shouldn't be a a political conversation, but there's too many of these these fights that are being fought with the language that that are being lost, at least by what I view as the right side. And, man, I just think conservation hunting instead of trophy hunting is such a phenomenal marketing shift and it is truth in advertising. It is. In you in most know, cases I think it we... is.
1: In most cases And but the other the, the problem there is that in some cases it isn't.
3: Right. But I, I think enough that you can paint with that broad sure. brush. I mean you know if this was the solid seven podcast, uh, I'd turn this into uh, a reference from Parks and Rec. Uh, you know everything. All of life is either Scrubs, Parks and Rec, or The Office. And there's a whole episode of Parks and Rec where mm-hmm. poor Leslie's just trying to. Uh, get, uh, uh, what's the, the garbage they put in our water for our teeth? Fluoride. Fluoride. She's trying to get fluoride in the water. And of course, there's this councilman who's an orthodontist, and he doesn't want it, and he's convinced the people that fluoride is dangerous, and partners with a candy company to basically add sugar to the water. So to get this done, she's got to rebrand fluoride. So by time the episode's over, they're calling it like, sparkle shine and there's a vip club membership where you earn points for drinking water it's still just fluoride in the water like what's you got to define the win what's the win who like if you if you can get people on board with understanding the positive outcomes of what is currently called trophy hunting if you can participate in the action and the activity uh without the blowback isn't that the win regardless of what you're calling it
2: if that's the case but here's the here's the catch that makes this one a little bit different of a scenario is we don't call it trophy hunting. I mean, almost no one in the hunting world ever uses that phrase. Right. And, and I mean, it would be like, it would be like, we would call the humane society, of the United States and be like, Hey, could you start attacking conservation hunting instead of attacking trophy hunting? Cause we'd like to call it, we'd like for you to call it. Like, it's not a phrase we gave it right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not a phrase that we refer and, and use a lot. We're doing it in the sense that we go out looking for a specific type of animal when we go out and hunt. Um, and to your point, a lot of that is steeped in conservation. A lot of it's not, a lot of it's still steeped in, you know, I want to, I feel like I've accomplished something more if I go find a mature male. Um, you know, that is dictated in most scenarios by a trophy on their head in in hunting. I mean, in in most cases it is, or a beard on a turkey or or whatever it is. That's the problem with it is it's a phrase that they abuse as a means to attack. It's not like there's anyone out there. I think maybe there is like a Texas Trophy Hunters Association, but there's very Mm -hmm. few Mm -hmm. organizations that – like we don't use the phrase very few hunters use the phrase if ever um,
3: right but you're yeah but you're still like you can't choose who does use it though and they're just clubbing you over the head with it it's like you know i'm a, i'm i'm a gun guy right like i'm a i'm a certified firearms instructor i i, I like to to shoot firearms i support second amendment rights whatever and the, you know the the gun gun rights advocacy um you know pro pro gun people here in the, in the states we just get clubbed over the head all the time with this assault weapon. Now, as somebody who's who's fluent in, in firearms and uh, in ammunition and in calibers and, and in usage of firearms in different ways, I'm like, I can explain away... That, the, that term means nothing. I can explain the difference that, you know, I can tell you there's plenty of guns that don't look as scary as an AR-15 that do the exact same thing with the exact same cartridge, with the exact same round. But nothing that I'm going to say to explain that way, that away. it has that same emotional impact as that, just the two, just the assault weapon, just the, this thing's scary and it's got this scary name. And me explaining away the technicality of, well, no, you don't understand. It's the tool, not... It, it it just doesn't land the same, and in the meantime, you know, yeah, I'm I, I'm trying to explain the. Te- how are you
2: going to change that? What, I mean, so decide like instead we want to call it a cupcake rifle instead of an assault weapon. How I mean, what are you going to do? You just going to start calling it that, and it's going to fix the problem? No,
3: but you you've uh, to, you've got to find we've got to find a way on on issues like this to to counter that emotional response to get the door open to to the logical explanation right because right now the emotional side shuts it down and it's you know it's co- trophy hunting it ju- it's got this negative connotation now you're you're seeing hunters in these pictures with these you know thank you disney anthropomorphized animals where we think they have a name and you know there's a family waiting at home missing them and and whatever and it's you it's just to get past that emotional response so you can explain no here's even if the intention is not cons- conservation here's the positive second and third order effects of that hunt regardless of what the intention of the hunter was here's the people it employed here's the people it fed here's the the animals that it preserved whether that was the hunter's intent or not but you've got to get through the wall of emotion to to get that information through
2: yeah but i i don't i don't i don't even think we really disagree other than on the actual act of naming, and if you take that assault weapon or assault rifle example, there you, we can't change that. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a pro gun guy too. I have an assault weapon, um, but yeah, how what what would you what would you regardless of what it is? I said cupcake rifle a second ago to be ridiculous, right? I wasn't trying to make an actual yeah yeah. But regardless of what changing the name does nothing but look like a feeble attempt to reach across the aisle that's that doesn't actually mean anything. And, and I, I think that your point about emotions get in the way of the facts is really true, but I still think it's the only way to do it. I, I think that I multiple times in my life, including, I love you, mom, explained to my mom. But on an AR 15 that you can go to the store and buy, it's no different than the shot, than the Benelli shotgun that she bought me. You know, just pull the trigger, shoot, pull the trigger, shoot. And she's like, No, 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 no. We're only talking about fully automatic weapons. And I'm like, No, 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 no. At least my mom's never said the word semi fully automatic.
3: Yeah, fully, fully semi. semi
2: yeah. But she genuinely was misled by Biden saying, you know, that they can shoot at 8,000 feet per second and 600 rounds a minute. You know, it's, it's just not true. It's lies. And the same thing, I'd, I'm not disagreeing with you that it makes it harder. I still believe that spreading the facts about trophy hunting, about, hunting, about legal hunting in today's day and age is better than some petty act of calling it something else that's that's my intention and i think that parlays into the assault assault rifle i've never called my ar an assault rifle either you know there's there's a lot better options I've, i've i've uh carried assault rifles in a in a previous job and there's a lot better options than my ar
3: yeah, I, I don't think it works in a broad spectrum and certainly not for, for the types, you know, for the, for the mission of, of Blood Origins in particular. I don't think just simply making a language change to something like conservation hunting get you there where i think a tool like that becomes in handy is in the one-on-one conversations of changing hearts and minds and too often we want to achieve that with a tweet or a reel or whatever and you just can't do it because there's no relationship there but if you can if you see the ridiculous point if you go i i i get it right i I'll, i'll give it to you right like trophy hunting i get why you don't support that but how do you feel about conservation hunting And they're automatically, you just walk them backwards towards the thing you're saying you support is the same thing as as the thing you're saying you don't support. Even if they don't immediately go, oh, well, absolutely, I'm okay with conservation hunting. Even if they go, well, what do you mean by conservation hunting? You say, well, what about the kind of hunting where it's it's really beneficial to the animal population in this given area? Or it's it's beneficial to, you know, in, you know, I'm talking first world areas, you know, I talk in the idea of the States, um, right? But in, in areas where it's a whole, uh, you know, tri- economy for, um, you know, a, a village or, you know, and you walk them backwards and you go, well, everything I just described to you is occurring with the trophy hunts you say you don't support. I just, all all we did was change the language a little bit at the beginning, but all those same things are happening with what you're calling trophy hunting right now. That's where I think the value in something like
2: that is. Yeah, I can see that point. I I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, some some of it's probably, I mean, we've had the same conversation about harvest versus kill. Um, and I'm I'm just not a fan of of losing any part of what it currently is because of the ignorance of someone else as to what's actually happening. So some of it is, uh, you know, stubborn, hard headedness on my part as well.
1: Well, it's a great conversation to have someone like with someone like Kale, who's a non-hunter. And I don't think you get opportunities like that to have that kind of discussion with the other side, essentially. So we have one more article and we're going to, uh, with Kale's, uh, thoughtful preparation, uh, we're going to get in under the hour mark, I believe. No, I'm kidding, joking. The last article, and I'm glad we left this for the last one because there's actually a little bit more connection to blood origins than maybe even Cody knows tied to this article. So this article was written by a lady called Rachel Levine. It was in Bon Appetit. Um, Bon Appetit's a pretty big, um, cooking, food type magazine, online profile, the, the article's title was, I eat meat, full stop. Why I was killing my own food so hard? And uh, w- what happened here, just to give a context for the article, Rachel is obviously an urbanite out of San Francisco, and she was invited to an all-woman's retreat. Um, I think a lady called Jen Judge put it together and co-founded it with uh, a guy called Kyle Jackson. Kyle Jackson has been on the Blood Origins podcast. We're about to release his episode uh, in New Mexico. Kyle is the hunt manager for Vermejo, which is one of the Ted Turner reserves in New Mexico. It's a 550,000-acre reserve. Okay, Ted Turner, Cody, do you know, I think Ted Turner is like the largest landholder in the United States, could be close to it, right?
2: Yeah, I think he's second place as far as private landowners right now.
1: You know, Vermejo is a beautiful place. It's a private land, sort of emerald, bison, elk, pronghorn, whitetails, muleys, you name it, it has it. Um, And we're very good friends with Kyle, and we've actually had some very good conversations with the Ted Turner group about hunting. And the best thing about this article is that you have someone who is invited, essentially it's inviting kale to go on a hunt with other non-hunters and get them comfortable with the gun, get them comfortable shooting. And then, Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to take this animal and uh, we're going to feed you. I think the article number one is written beautifully. Number two It just it it what she does so well is she sort of juxtaposes this dilemma that she's in. Right? This dilemma that yes, I'm a meat eater, but I have to confront now this idea that I am
4: killing the meat that I eat. Kale.
3: Yeah, I I agree on all those points. Now I I've been on on a hunt. Uh, I talked to Robbie on my podcast about it. You know, I went and did kind of a uh, a canned hog hunt here in Florida, which I feel like just barely counts. Um, and I, I couldn't identify with any of the, um, you know, the hesitation or the second thinking like. Uh, you know, we hadn't been out there very long. They put me in a, st- a tree stand since my first time out. Hog parked right under mm-hmm. me. There was no love lost between me and that hog, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I got my feet out of the way for the holdover because it was literally, you know, point of in- point of impact. I was worried about hitting my toes. It was right underneath me. I didn't even need uh, my sights, and and I dropped that hog. Now, maybe if it was a more likable animal, um, I, w- I would have felt the same hesitation. But I like this in the sense of... Um, you know, we're we're just. I, I think so. So many of society's woes right now come from us being so disconnected from nature. And I'm I'm not saying that I I want everybody to go out and camp or go out and hike or go out and hunt. As a matter of fact, I do primitive camping and backpacking because it weeds out people. All right, so don't go out and crowd the trails and the parks. But we just have this idea that we're separate from the ecosystem that mm. we exist. Separate from nature. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, I think it's a, a Jefferson quote just talking about, you know, if we ever pile into these big cities like Europe, we're screwed, we're done for. And I think a large part of that sentiment from him had to have been about the disconnection from the land. He, you know, he also shared a sentiment that, you know, that we should elect farmers because of their connection to the land. But the just life eats life. Right. I mean, you can dumb it all the way down to, uh, you know, the Lion King and the Circle of Life if you want to, if you need a soundtrack for it. But if you want to go vegan vegetarian, uh, you know, A, it, it, it's not a bloodless process. Right. But all our energy, the energy, you, the calories we're burning, our, our oil, our solar, our window, it, it all derives from the sun. So you want to take, you can take life eats life all the way to our sun which all the energy it's releasing is what's absorbed by our plants which which are consumed by our animals whether that ends up in the ground it's all solar energy and our sun is eating itself our sun is dying to produce that energy right so if you just want to eat plants it's still life eating life mm-hmm. the you know go, going back to our last article the idea that you know it's inhumane to hunt these foxes with these dogs if not from a hunter, what kind of death do you think animals are experiencing in the wild? You don't need to be a hunter to understand they're not curling up in a hospital bed, you know, going quietly and, and peacefully, right? So I, I see more people being exposed to this, whether it's through the, the article um, or it's through experiencing something like this themselves, just understanding um, that connection back to their food. Right, that it's the the burger that I'm eating or the steak that I'm eating. If that's you, the chicken breast, the turkey, um, the whatever that life eats, life and I this. This has to happen. Either I've got to do it or I've got to outsource it if I'm going to survive. I've either got to – if you want to go vegan, vegetarian, I've I've either got to grow the crops or I've got to outsource it if I'm going to survive. Life eats life. Somebody has to do it. And just having that connection, I think, back to the land, back to the ecosystem, uh, I think reaps benefits uh, society-wide. Yeah, I love the in the
1: article – it's quoted at the end when they, when they're talking about the people who created the course, Jen judge and Kyle Jackson, they said the two have a long shared vision to bridge the illogical chasm between those who hunt to eat and those who merely love to eat. Cody.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a great article. I will say She makes a comment about hunting on a private ranch makes you feel like a prick, I believe, is the is the exact quote that she uses. And then she gives this two-sentence, what I thought was going to be a great paragraph about the kind of burgeoning of diversity in hunting. Well, she didn't
1: say she didn't say a prick. She said it was like being uh it, it was like having clear at the airport.
2: Um
3: Full, full, full quote. I mean, we like to be very oh, thorough. Oh no, it does.
2: It also podcasts. makes you
1: feel like a
3: prick. Yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah,
2: you, yeah,
1: yeah. So you
2: it you're both makes right. you feel like a prick right there in the article.
1: Yeah, I see it. That's sorry, a, <laughs> I miss. I, I just didn't see that. That's part. the part sorry. I was
2: referencing when she's. Oh, okay. Said, sorry, sorry,
1: okay. sorry.
2: <laughs> and then she had a great, like I, 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 eighty-five percent love this article, and I have full understanding for someone all of the points that she makes, except about feeling like a prick for hunting on a private ranch. And then she started off with this great paragraph about the kind of burgeoning diversity in hunting and then summed it up with, but it's still basically just a bunch of white old guys doing it. Um, Those two little kind of just condescending. But she isn't wrong. It isn't wrong. Yeah, but.
1: I just read a leopard study where. Uh, as a google search image of leopard trophy hunters between 2011 and 2020 94% of them are white males over the age of 40
2: yeah yeah but i but, i i don't i she she just she just needed to rile with that statement right if there it it, it, yes. it had nothing to do with the context of the article nor is... the, the
3: the implication is that there's some intentional barrier keeping people who don't meet that demographic out of the process. It's implied and not stated, but that's why else would you say that? And it's it's that's not, not the case. Unless you were writing well, an article some of it is about true.
2: that. This article is not at all about that. It was just a little, oh, how can I slide this in right here? That I didn't like that part of it. Other than that, I thought it was a really well written article. Applaud her for talking about her struggles, and I have never had a counter argument for someone who just deeply didn't want to take another being's life. That's, there's, there's no, there's no argument for that. I can, you know, I can talk with you about why I choose to do it. um, But I don't have an argument for why someone should get past that. It's a strong emotional thing that, uh, you know, she was, cool enough to air out. She was cool enough to push through, get it done to make sure she felt that way. Um, I I really liked the article. I did a lot other than too little. What seemed like I got to stick my, uh, I got to I got to poke the bear just a little bit here while I'm writing this article.
3: You've got to appreciate somebody that's willing to, to, to get their hands dirty, to give something to go, rather than just sit from this. Like, you could write articles and get them published and make a decent living all day long, just sitting on the sidelines, sitting on one coast or the other, and sniping at the people that are out hunting and assuming what it is and going, you know, off of <clears throat> what the media has told you it is, or you could, you could go out and, and say, well, is, is this what I've been told it is, or is this what I think it is? And to me that, I mean, that bought her, um, you know, a lot of street quote with me, just willing to be able to go out and say, Hey, if I'm going to write about this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to experience it. Yeah.
2: I agree. It was a good article. hundred percent. I got one more thing I, that, that Avery just texted me that I should share, Robbie.
1: You, you, right, like just just because it's fifty-four minutes into the podcast, okay, yeah, and I sure. wanted to see go ahead. It.
2: And Kale Kale texted me beforehand and said, "Hey, let's take this thing way past an hour on his ass."
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> no, if, if
3: if if we if we don't hit at least uh, sixty-one minutes, I'm going to be disappointed. So,
2: quick story: standing uh, in line in the Johannesburg airport to get on a plane coming back from Africa. All right. And obviously okay. there's several hundred people there. Actually not. That plane was almost completely empty, but there's me and my wife, another, um, I would say I would call a younger couple and then an older couple. And we're all just, none of us know each other, but we're all kind of standing next to uh, next to each other. And one of the gentlemen, the older gentleman. Had checked a gun. We we were all together, kind of at the baggage check, and we weren't together, but we just moved in in a little bit of a herd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The older gentleman had checked a gun. The younger man, when I say younger, uh, early thirties, maybe, said, "Hey, were you hunting in Africa?" The older gentleman, and, and he kind of, the older gentleman said, "Yes." I had just got done talking to his wife, so he kind of pointed at me and said, "So were they?" The the younger kid goes, "Wow, I didn't know you could do that."
1: And was he South African? What no, no, nationality
2: he was, a, he was, was he? An American. No, he's an American. Everybody's an American. All, not everybody. Okay. All of the, all of the,
3: <laughs> we're all Americans.
2: All, all, all of these six people are Americans. And the older gentleman, and I, when I say older, I mean maybe he was late fifties. He freaking clicked off safe. It was embarrassing, mm. and he went. All this kid said was, and and he said it like with a smile on his face, right? This kid, this kid. It turns out he grew up in Maine, right, and understands hunting. All he said was, "I didn't know you could do that in Africa." And this older gentleman made hunters look, look like obnoxious assholes, is, is what he did. He clicked off safe. Then he started taking out pictures. All of his pictures from his hunt.
1: His trophy pictures.
2: His trophy. His, his, yeah, exactly. And he scrolled past the leopard that he'd shot with the very standard... I'm going to pick the leopard up by the head and, and front shoulders. <clears throat> and the man, in a, the, the, the young man, in a super kind way, it, it's very important that I think everyone understand this kid was not angry. He was not anything. But his wife, who had not said a word, was just about in tears looking at these pictures that this old man is essentially shoving in her face and the younger guy goes hey i don't i don't have any this is this is as near as a quote as i can get he says no judgment whatsoever but we really don't want to see any more pictures and this guy went into full assault mode about you know and he was trying to make conservation points he was trying to make economic benefit points but he was nearly yelling at this couple who all they asked was to not have it shoved in their face with the words, Mm. no judgment, Mm -hmm. right? And that part of it up to that, it it, it, it was embarrassing for me. And I kind of just walked away from it. We then end up in Newark in the same lounge as the younger, well, actually all six of us end up in the same lounge. If you're United Gold which is not really that high on United, but you get to go into a lot of foreign lounges. It's kind of nice. We all end up, but we end up next to this younger couple. And he said, man, did I say something wrong to that guy? And I said, absolutely not. I said, that Mm -hmm. guy is a jackass who didn't listen to the words you were saying and just decided he was going to jump on a soapbox and start yelling at people to sound intelligent. By the end of it, this kid's asking questions. He went, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I, I didn't make an African hunter out of him, but he goes, it was, it, it, he finished it off with saying, it was really cool that you just listened to me and explained it to me and didn't shove pictures of dead animals in my face. When I asked you not to anyway, that's the whole story. I think there's a lesson to be learned that
1: absolutely
2: there's a, these people were not judgmental of hunting in any way. She was from Pennsylvania. He was from Maine. They both grew up around hunting. Um, they just weren't prepared for all the animals that they'd just gone on on an eco-safari to enjoy, seeing dead pictures of them while a stranger yelled at them. Um, anyway.
1: They probably got judgmental. They probably got judgmental because of the way that the guy approached it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he he set a precedent for them that this is what um you know, that this this the, the people are like this. And to credit the to credit the older gentleman he was trying like his intentions were to make the right points with the things he was saying, but holy mackerel. I thought he was going to fight this kid for asking him not to put the bloody leopard pictures in his wife's face and she was she was holding back tears. Anyway, lesson learned there that these were these were not people who were against us. These were people who just didn't understand. Right? Who just but didn't Could have know. easily
1: been turned into people that would be against us I because they, of the rhetoric.
2: I think the uh, I think they work their way that direction, the 15 hours from Johannesburg to Newark. Um and then I hope that by having a little bit of a reasonable conversation and just answering questions and not shoving rhetoric down their throats they realize that uh, we're we're not all complete assholes
3: mhm i think it's a challenge when you're when you hold a position or um, you know you're involved in an activity like that where you're just pri- like you're so used to the interaction being confrontational being an attack That you're primed to be on the defensive. And I think the reality, you know, the lesson, the takeaway there really applies again beyond uh, hunting is like default to humility, default to kindness rather than tack, and work your way from there. And really, if it gets aggressive, Really, you can just throw up the deuces anyways, because that's probably not somebody who's going to be open to having their heart and mind changed anyways. But just, it just does so much more to default to humility and kindness, and then find your bearing and, and go from there.
2: And I think 100%. it's important to note that that does not make you soft. When it no. When it comes to a thing that I need to stand and fight for, I can be as hard-headed as anyone in the world. And if this kid had started arguing back at me, I have the knowledge in my brain to to give him the facts to prove that he's wrong. Whether he'll listen or not is, like you said, Kelly, that there's some of it's just hopeless. But starting with humility and kindness does not make you soft; it makes you intelligent. And you can be intelligent and hard at the same time. Um, We 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 we've taken some grief in the past at Blood Origins. For giving people a chance who maybe didn't uh, agree with us or who didn't fit the mold, um, someone once said that blood origins makes hunters look like victims, and it's such a such an ignorant cop out to say a thing like that in my mind because it's not the case at all.
1: We, well, there we, you go. One hour, three minutes. Look at you, boys. We did it,
2: Kale.
3: Mission accomplished. Now we're moving on to uh, unicorns and cupcake rifles. <laughs> you and Cody can
1: FaceTime all you like about <laughs> unicorns and cupcake rifles. Kale, it's it's a pleasure, my man. I'm I'm so glad. One, I was humbled to be asked to be on your podcast, uh, and you we just thoroughly, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I knew that you would be good because uh, I I knew you'd be a good podcast guest because you're thoughtful. And yes, you've hunted once, and unfortunately it was a canned pig hunt, but hey, it's still a hunt.
3: It's all good. It still tasted still good. Still tasted it, good. I mean, good pig. The pork was just as exactly. good. Exactly. Um, no, it, it, uh, it's legit, uh, honest. Hopefully, I, I brought something meaningful to uh, to the conversation. And uh, you know, from the second you popped up on uh, on my social media, and I, and I started looking into the content, uh, just a believer, uh, a fan, an official supporter. Uh, so I can get in on good those job, sweet, Caleb. sweet Blood Origins prizes and and drawings and uh, you know there's there's a link to Blood Origins and what you guys are doing uh, on on my website now Brilliant. and, and continue you. to encourage my listeners to support what you're doing and open door to, uh, to you guys at the Salusman Podcast any any you want to come on you're you're more than welcome thank you Kale
2: cool thanks Cale.
3: Cody good luck getting rid of the tick bite fever okay
2: I think I got it whooped
3: nice put some Lindex on it man
4: yep. Exactly. Ciao, ciao. Well, that's it for today. I
1: appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.
0: I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn
4: more.